chance to do that. So we spoke, we uh, aired it out, whatever they did with that information, not really sure. It continued with the, you know, gimmicks. Um, let's list them, all right? The Lex Express, we talked about this the other night. Um, again, they're using that post-Gulf post War um, patriotism, Ameri American angle, red, white, and blue everything. Um, the big tour bus for the Lex Express. I'm not sure if Tom had anything to do with that. I mean, it was pretty well done and everything, but um, yeah. again, it just it just didn't seem to fit, you know? Um, I remember the launch party of that, and that was, I think that was before the uh, uh, July 4th, 93 Intrepid event. Okay, so we had a launch party, like an inter-company launch party. Um, the bus was out in the parking lot, and it was kind of like a, meet and greet with Vince and Linda. They were down there. So everybody would kind of come down. And if you, if you hadn't met Vince to that, you know, up to that time, you got to meet him personally that day. And I think I'd, I think that was really the first time I personally met him. I, I avoided Vince too. Again, it's, you're just a kid. It's like, then you hear about, oh, I just was in Vince's office. That was horrible. Oh my God. It's like, no, okay, okay I'll just keep far away from Vince. <laughs> Understandable. Yep, exactly. So we're in, he greets us and they had, you know, they gave out WWF superstar ice cream bars to everybody. And we all got Hillbilly Jim. I don't have an explanation for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they, the music they had playing, there was a Stars and Stripes Forever, which is, it was used as his intro music for a long time. And it was, um, you know, patriotic military music from way back. God knows how old that song is. Um, everything was, sorry for that. That's not the voices in my head doing that either. Uh, <laughs> not. Everything was, everything was red, white, and blue. And it just, it seemed, you know, stale and uninspired. Um, Lex was a big thing back in the WCW. I mean, he was, he was one of the top three, right? Lex Sting. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was the guy. And then, you know, we brought him in as uh, the narcissist, of course. Mm -hmm. and again, it was it was a little too much candy coating on a great talent, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's totally yeah. not needed. You know, the, the key with Lex, like, even when he went back to WCW, I found was <clears throat> just let him just be who he was, you know, this jacked up dude and let him go out there and be a badass. Like, and, you know, he got over huge in WCW. They put the belt on him against Hogan at one stage and everything so it's like 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 you said just too much freaking can't now now I love the whole Lex Express thing because that's one of my first very first I think it's probably the first memory I have even of of wrestling is him slamming Yoko on the USS yeah. Intrepid and everything and like I, I think but there, there was a lot of like even the music like you alluded to I think you know that oh gosh it just, it was just too much. It was way, way too much. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's a shame because I think they really could have made him the face of the company if they had done things right at the time. Like, you know, I think the company was starving for, for somebody like him to be a kind of legit kind of, you know, badass baby face. And they just, they completely, not even 1980s, uh, but freaking 19, I don't know. 60s almost or something but uh, sorry carry on anyway no that's fine um 
Yeah, that, that's the way we felt too. Um, the whole Lex Express thing, and but I have to admit, him you know slamming Yoko on the deck of the trap, not Yoko Ono, Yoko Zuno. Oh. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be opposed to. Anyhow, um, that was pretty cool. That went over pretty well. We that that, that yeah. was that was a good concept. It never had been done before. That was all good. Yeah, and then right after, as you remember, then the bus hit on the tour. It, it just hit the road. It was gone. There it is. And um, the Saturday shows w- would report on the on the progress of the Lex Express. So you'd see these. Um, you'd see the bus pull up, and then this crowd of people just run to get the, to the bus, right? But I heard that the crowd wasn't really a crowd, that these were people who were kind of gathered up to participate. So there was no big crowd waiting for the bus to arrive, but people who were, hey, you know, want to show up for this? Uh, yeah. So I guess they handed everybody a Hillbilly Jim Superstar ice cream bar and, and lined up in front of the Lex Express. Now, that's what I was told, that most of the crowd was artificial. So I, I yeah, kind of guessing it was. So the Lex Express wasn't really going over too well. And, like, I think another thing, I think they positioned it wrong because he was just, he literally just came off being the narcissist. And, like, they did the, the Yokozuna slam and, you know, he's thrust into this babyface position. I think, like, the way they probably should have done it was, like, do it the same way, have, you know, the, the, the slam on the USS, have that be the, the kind of launching pad to turn babyface and uh, have the match at SummerSlam. You could nearly do the same ending. And then <clears throat> from there do the, the Lex Express tour because then, he, you know, he's, he would be campaigning for getting the, the, the title shot back because he was screwed out of it the first time. You know, he's actually doing it for a purpose because, like, when he w- w- when they actually did it, he was literally just after coming off being a heel and uh, and a very unlikable heel as well. You know, he was very good at the, at play, uh, at playing uh, you know an unlikable bad guy. And yeah. um, so, like, yeah, I think like I think the concept was great. Like the 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 body slam challenge thing, excellent. I even the the Lex Express tour, I think conceptually was was very good but i think the parts just weren't put together the 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 right way and the trigger wasn't pulled on it then either you know they because they, they never did put the title on him they never experimented with it so i think they they kind of chopped his his legs out from under him in a, in a lot of ways like at the time and i've heard that there was a lot of political uh things going on there as well you know a lot of backstabbing oh, <clears throat> you know oh. That was the norm. Yeah, of course it yeah. was. I, I heard it from from the writers, and the writers were the people that, again, I didn't have a lot of contact directly with these guys, but yeah, the writers, they were there with the talent all the time, so Lou would pop into my office, tell me everything that happened, you know, sit in the squeegee, all that kind of stuff, so <laughs> so I just absorbed everything while I was there. It was, uh, it was fascinating, um, but uh, it, yeah, it was unfortunate how, how that, how they used him in a, you know, just didn't really work out as, as it could have. And, and if, you, and if you, we can continue down that path too, um, um, Giant Gonzalez, everybody. I mean, that's another one from that just kind of blows my mind. And, and, and 
Tom's concept drawings were very cool. Um, but the final product was horrendous. I mean, was some something was lost in translation. That's all there is to it. And and honestly, a lot of good looking character concepts, they just don't translate well into the ring. They yeah, really do. Absolutely. That's what we were dealing with too. And, and it, Giant Gonzalez's costume came back, and I think it was done on the West Coast. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, it was sent out to an airbrush artist. Um, there were two costumes, if you remember. Okay. The first one didn't have the artificial fur on it, and it was it was very revealing. Okay. Mm. So it's like, okay, let's not show the fans blood, but, you know, hey, kids, it's a huge, hairy, castrated man. Right? I mean, he would have been a perfect spokesman for Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. He, <laughs> it was, Jesus. Okay, we, we were told to, like, crop above the waist, you know, or they would, they would choose um, images where the wrestlers were blocking his nether regions, you know, things like that. It was just, it, it was really kind of bizarre and, and you wow. know, embarrassing, too. So version... Two of that costume was the addition of these, you know, hairy shorts and and big patches of fur on his shoulders that would make Ron Jeremy blush. And it, it looked like a couple of giant groundhogs, cra uh, you know, crossing the GW Bridge. It was just really bizarre. Um, but on a side note, the guy ate. Eight chicken breasts when he came into the, to the building that day. For, that's what the cafeteria guy Scott told me. Eight chicken breasts. Wow. Yes. Holy shit. Whatever that means, but I just had to mention that because Scott was like, you know, he ate eight chicken breasts. So the guy was huge, huge. He was a former basketball player too, right? Argentina basketball player. Yeah, that yep. was his. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yep. Couldn't do the basketball anymore. And we tried to make it. Well, he did his WCW time too. Elegante was his name. I. Yeah, yep. in yeah, in WCW. Yep. No airbrush suit when he did the Elegante, huh? No, no. Nope. And like, nope. yeah, he was enough of a visual freaking, you know, uh, for lack, lack of a better term, freak. You know, he was a, vi uh, you know, he was so freaky looking visually. Anyway, it's like it's kind of baffling, you know, that they went so over the top with the uh, like, like Tom's original design was really cool. The concept was, you know, interesting. The the whole Yeti type uh, type of thing, like, yeah, the, the airbrush muscles and everything. Oh, god! No, it wasn't the best airbrush I've seen. It was it was done with way too much contrast. It should have been more subtle. And and again, I'm sure Tom and I talked about that at the time, <clears> where it was a little bit, um, uh, you know, just it wasn't as skillfully done as we had hoped for. Hmm. Um, but, you know, looking back, Giant Gonzalez wasn't the, the worst thing that happened. I mean, the the absolute worst thing, it, it was the gobbledly gooker, you know. Ooh, look at that expression on your face. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? What I didn't even know either, it, it wasn't the gobbly gooker or the gobbelly gooker. It was the gobbedly gooker. I'm looking at the way mm. it's spelled. That was... And I worked for the magazine. I never picked up on that. So maybe I didn't pay attention. Um, but I remember, yes, I was there for that. Nineteen. It was a 1990 Survivor Series in Hartford. 
I had been with the company just for a few months and it was um, a bunch of us WWFers all sitting together in the same section. Uh, you know, we got to meet each other's significant others and spouses for the first time. It was, it was great. You know, it was an awesome thing to, to be around. Um, the fans were quick to pick up on that. We were all employees, you know, they overheard our conversations and, Oh, we made a lot of new friends. We were, you know, they were buying us beers, things like that, talking, you know, interacting with everybody. Everything was great. Perfect night. And that is until the hatching and reveal of that God awful psychotic buzzard bird thing. Okay. All right. The expression on the faces of the people around us, kind of like when your hand breaks through the toilet paper, you know, it's like, you know, and, and, and the sound they admitted was like a, this low moaning growl, like an idling chainsaw with a carburetor issue. Uh, a few people actually hissed. Okay. They, <laughs> a few things, a few things were thrown at us and, you know, who could blame them? You know, I got wow. hit, in the, hit in the back of the head with the WWF Superstars ice cream bar. And, yeah, <laughs> it, was, and it was Hillbilly Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Damn hillbilly Jim. The bane of your existence <laughs> on that ice cream bar. I mean, all right, to be honest with you, the fans were expecting the next Hulk Hogan warrior, some powerful Greek god to take the wrestling world by storm, and they got Big Bird's homeless cousin. Yeah. It was oh, it, that was that was eye-opening. Um and that was Hector Guerrero, I think that that that, that was under the costume, I think, wasn't it? Yes, and, and and didn't correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they bring out that character recently, like fairly recently again? <clears throat> oh man, when was it? Remember they brought him out for WrestleMania 17 anyway, back in 2001 uh, for okay. the Kingdom Battle Royal, and they did. Uh, yeah, they definitely did something with him in the last couple of years. I can't remember. It might have been one of the old school Raws, maybe. I think they've done a couple of them over the last like. Seven, seven or eight years, maybe, maybe less. I'm not sure. Uh, the one that really sticks out is when Jake the Snake Roberts came back. Like I remember that one really vividly. But yeah, he he was definitely around somewhere anyway. Because like you know, they, they they're mad for bringing those old school gimmicks back whenever uh, whenever they get the chance for you know like those cheesy little skits. Sure. So apparently all efforts to you know seek and destroy that costume failed then that's <laughs> uh, uh, we had our chance we blew it okay uh, i mean if you, if you look back on the gimmick era um the industry was clearly in a transitional phase um and what we were trying to convey to them back then uh, is is what's actually where wrestling is now these people uh, these wrestlers are using the real names. Uh, the costumes are good, but there's really no gimmick stuff anymore, right? I mean, it's, I don't really follow it too much, but I, I see real names, um, less flash, things like that. And uh, yeah, I guess it, 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 it's working. I'm not sure where the industry is right now. And yeah, like I said, to be honest, we don't really follow it, um, but that's where we thought it should have been. But it's not the gimmick era wasn't necessarily bad you can compare it to the, the hairband era of the music industry it wasn't the best music in the world but damn it was fun you know yeah and, absolutely 
Yeah. So and it was and it was uh, memorable as well. Like you know, it's funny because like you know, as cringy as some of the stuff was, like here we are all these years later, and it sticks out. Like you know, so I guess there's you know a method to the madness in 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 another sense. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, I wouldn't trade the experience for anything in the world. It was. Uh, it was great. Um, uh, you know, the death of Andre was was another thing that really never saw that side of things, but it was a really, really um, moving experience for the company too. Um, Andre, of course, was he's legendary top, you know, five wrestlers, and um, I didn't realize what kind of a person Andre was. Um, hadn't worked with him, and as you you knew, he he was only doing maybe a couple of shows a year tops, right? Brought yeah. in special events, so I never really knew too much about him. But um, he had a lot of good relationships with people that that worked there, um, and it was a really somber time when when he passed, um, and and he died in in France, and and he was uh, brought into the you know back into the country. Mm. Um, his um, shipping casket was actually stored in uh, the first floor of uh, the building. Um, and, and the rumor was it was going to be used as a display for the WWF Hall of Fame. Now that, that, kind of freaks, oh. that kind of freaks some people out, too. Um, mm, like, you know, people kind of avoiding the first floor, the, the ghost of Andre, all those kind of stories. Any anything weird that would happen, you know? Hey, the sink turned, you know, stayed on by itself. It's the ghost of Andre, whatever. <laughs> so, it, it, so, I'll just I'll just say that some certain individuals had access to certain closets, and maybe certain individuals stood in his shipping casket. Maybe. <laughs> We won't mention any names. <laughs> no, never, ever implicate anybody. Uh, no, no. It was just a rumor. That's all. Rumor. But, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> fascinating object, right? I mean, how... Oh, boy. Um, yeah, that's crazy. That's that's mad. Yeah. Um, and as we... As I was noticing, too, um, in... in getting older and wiser my time there for three and a half years. Um, I started paying, paying attention more to what was going on around the office. And, um, you know, the people who work production, um, there was a discussion that our circulation had once been at a million, million uh, magazines we uh, were in circulation. That doesn't necessarily mean subscribers, but um, our circulation was at one million. I think when I first started, um, but as things went along, then that number went down to 700,000. Um, we had been the number two sports magazine in America, just behind Sports Illustrated, but we were losing steam big time. Um, they were cutting print runs, starting to, you know, scale back a little bit. So obvious signs that, you know, things are, are not going as planned. Um, the, it was around the time where the home video game markets were exploding and those magazines, which kind of crossed into our demo, 
Electronic Gaming Monthly, Game Pro, etc. You know, they were yeah. they were really they were they were the new things on they were the shit. You know, they were. Um, so I was an avid gamer too. I had every system there was, and um, I think Troy and I brought it up to the editors that um, maybe we should start getting into this a little bit and having you know video game reviews, maybe some user submitted stuff to you know take take. A little bit, and, and they were very receptive to it. They allowed us to write columns. Um, we had our regular reviews. We were getting free video games from the manufacturers. I mean, come on, right? That was cool. Can't beat that. Not <laughs> at all. So we were taking games home, reviewing them, and I wasn't a writer, believe me. Um, thank God for editors. Some of the crap that I would write. Um, but it was good. It, but 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 the, the point is that they listened to us there, and that was that was really cool. Again, just to tell you how positive the whole experience was. Anything we brought up, they listened to us and they let us do it. Um, in fact, I was able to work on uh, the Royal Rumble game for the Super Nintendo system with Acclaim, who had uh, got the license for that. And uh, my role there, since I had a good wrestling background. Um, maneuvers and do all that stuff they said okay just make sure that the characters in the game are consistent with the talent so um, as far as the finishing maneuvers were concerned because all the other things were pretty much the same make sure the costumes are the right color the right style all that kind of stuff and again for just a kid that's cool stuff man who could say it they worked on you know video game it was great it was, it was just amazing um yeah when, when the game was finished, by the way, uh, it was us, Publications versus the Art Department. And they were good, man. Those guys were really good. They they kicked our asses quite a bit. I got to admit, <laughs> it really did. But you know what? We we always had revenge. Anytime somebody went on vacation in the Art Department, I would totally redecorate their cubicle with either My Little Pony or the Care Bears or some shit like that. So. <laughs> It was done. It was done. So I got my revenge. They they may have beat us. So, but um, but with that too brought these bootleg video games too that mm -hmm. were coming from I don't know where they came from. Probably uh, either China, Japan, whatever. Um, but we got a hold of some of these bootleg video games. I remember the um, one of them was for Sega Genesis, and they asked me again. The editor asked me just to take it home and review it for any possible copyright infringement. Uh, any likenesses and characters, any finishing, or anything that could say that they are using our characters to do. So I brought it home, and of course, Hulk Hogan was just copied. <laughs> That's Hulk Hogan. That's the macho man. That guy's holding a snake. I have a pretty damn good idea who he is. <laughs> right? So, um, brought... So I gave, I took it all in. It's like I wrote a bunch of notes, maybe three or four pages and everything, and kind of sat on it. And then my phone rings one day, maybe a month later. I don't know what it was, but it was some kind of some kind of attorney or judge or whatever from some international court taking my testimony for the game. I'm like, whoa! And the nerves, you know, the nerves again. Um, the, here, here I am, some kid just giving testimony, thick, you know, trying to remember back. I grabbed my notes and I told him all the infringement issues, all that similarities, all that kind of stuff too. But again, after it was all said and done, it was pretty damn cool, you know. 
Yeah, but, that's a pretty but interesting did, experience. And it didn't. It wasn't just the video games either. I mean, they were copying all of our stuff. Um, again, there was you know still all kinds of popularity with our magazine overseas, all, all different countries. We were everywhere at that point. Um, we received a copy of a magazine that I. It, it was, I don't know if it was Korean magazine, whatever, um, that was our magazine, but with their language in it, okay? And we're like, well, we don't produce a magazine in that country. How How is it available? So they, um, I believe they sent Tom Emanuel over um, wherever. And again, I don't know for sure if it was, uh, you know, South Korea, whatever, for argument's sake, let's just say it was South Korea, whatever. Yeah. Um, they, they, sent, they sent him over there because they, I think they had located where, you know, the origin of where that magazine was coming from. And turns out that it was just a, like a small apartment with a woman and an ironing board and a hand scanner scanning our magazines and stripping in Korean text into it, okay? And the quality was amazing. I wish I had one now. Um, it was a really damn good job for a hand scanner back in like 1992 or 93. The damn thing looked legit, really well done. So they were making the magazine over there. And of course, without, uh, they were, sh needless to say, they were shut down. Um, but it was, it was fascinating. It was fascinating. Anybody has any copies of that? If you know, if 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 you have any copies of that, hit us up and give us a look. That'd be so super cool to see that. Maybe worth quite a bit of coin now as well. That's a, that's a serious collector item right there. Like, yeah, and it was just like no nothing more than evidence to us at that point. So, um, who knows? They they probably exist somewhere. I got to, you know, where the tide really turned for me was the steroid scandal. Hmm. That's when things really got kind of funky there. Um, and, and that was huge. I mean, it was, again, we were getting press, not for, you know, Jake Snake biting Macho Man's arm or anything like that, but we were getting really negative press. It's almost like the world was out to shut us down at that point. It was, um, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, and they were attacking us left and right, you know, fake sport and all this. And somebody was out to shut it down. It seemed it was, uh, it was, it was really uh, getting funky there. Um, so if I recall, it was either a company memo telling everybody to uh, telling everyone that the FBI was conducting an, an investigation on the steroid scandal and you'd have to be, you know, cooperate with anything if anything is asked of you just to cooperate and, you know, you know, just do whatever, do whatever it takes. Um, mm. One night I'm just leaving the building and uh, leaving the parking garage and across the street is parked a car. No big deal. This head pops up, snaps a picture, ducks right back down. I'm like, what the hell was that? You know? <laughs> And, you know, maybe a little paranoia because of the FBI investigation, maybe, but I don't think the FBI would need to do that. Nonetheless, it was kind of freaky to see somebody pop in their car, snap a picture, and duck right back down again. Oh, uh, Jesus. 
Um, so come in. I don't maybe been that Monday or the next following Monday. Come into my office and all of the drawers, computers, everything is labeled with like an evidence tag. Everything. So uh, <laughs> even the drawer with the girls' panties in the underside. <laughs> Like, oh shit! What are they gonna, you know? Right? Maybe that's how that file came uh, to your boss's attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, oh, so, uh, you know, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, this is um, this is getting pretty deep here. Is is this necessarily something I want to be involved with, you know? Um, I, I, okay, it had nothing to hide other than Elizabeth's blanks. Okay, all right, get it. <laughs> but, um, I was starting to think maybe it's, maybe it's time to start looking because I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what's going to happen to the company. The company's already starting to look kind of funky. And... Could this be the end? Could they bring him down? I mean, like, out of business? So that's when I started to have my doubts. And it was, you know, still still love the job and everything. But, you know, is something happening? And I remember exactly the, the 1993 holiday party. Oh, my God. Absolutely dismal, okay? Um, that was awful. You can tell morale was at its all-time lowest at that point, and 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 again, you could see the cost-cutting measures too, because um, you know companies hemorrhaging. So you scale back at the holiday party. At least it was open bar. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have showed up. Okay, that's whatever. You know, um, you know, everyone else too probably. No, I think uh, no one would have showed up, but. I just vividly remember like the two piece band that was playing there. Um, one older man playing a Fender guitar and uh, his bandmate on the portable drum set. I think I saw a play school logo on it. It was just really bad. Um, but <laughs> what caught my, what really caught our interest during this train wreck was the fact that um, the, the drummer had this more than obvious toupee that he was wearing. And uh, with every beat of the drum, that thing was started to shift. <laughs> so oh, that was the entertainment for the evening. That that was, I mean, was it worth the, it was, yeah, it was probably worth it just to see that. We laughed our ass off. But at that point, I pretty much knew it was, it was time to move on, you know? Um, I didn't have a lot of faith in what was going forward at that point. Everything I was seeing, um, I started to pay attention more. Um, so, I, you know, that was it. I went out to seek a job, found a new job. In my notice, the last day of work, the last day of work for me was uh, WrestleMania 10. Um, it was a fan festival. It was the first really true fan festival. Um, they had a couple of years prior, but they weren't... Um, the wrestlers weren't, they, they didn't have that number of wrestlers easily acceptable, accessible, sorry. Wait, hold on one second. <laughs> Dutch card. Oh, yes, yes. It was, um, it was a good event. It went really well. 
we got to meet everybody. The one, two, three kid, he had his eyebrows this time. He was at our booth and a uh, really cordial guy. Again, we got to meet a lot of different wrestlers, uh, fans from all over the world. Um, the company needed something and it, and it was a good showing. It, it was good for the company. Um, you could see optimism, which was really cool. Um, but it's funny. Again, they were there for the Undertaker. It was his display was, um, and there was a coffin. It was really well. They, they put all the money into his display there. Uh, tons of fans, you name it. Uh, they were there from all over the world. There was a girl who we met from Japan. She camped out on the on the steps leading to his display. He was only there. He was there every three hours or so. She waited for him. Um, wow. And the Undertaker, you could tell he he was their he was their answer. I mean, he was ready for elite status. They never quite pushed him that far, as we talked earlier. They, you know, they gave him the strap for for a very short amount of time, and, and he again he wasn't quite at that level, and he was the answer all along. I mean, he was it. Um, and, and again, yeah, and again, uh, the just the Joe Rogan Rogan interview was was really good with him. Um, just a class act, good for him, um, and uh, watch him on, on the hot ones too. That's where he eats wings. Everything that guy does is really good. He he was the man. They they kept looking for a different wrestler to to maybe fill in for for Hogan. He was the guy all along. We saw it. I got the have you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, have you watched the uh, WWE um, docu series that they did on Undertaker, The Last Ride? No, I oh, let me. Uh, no, I don't think so. You should. Oh man, that's it's on the WWE Network. That kind of chronicles um, his last couple of years because he was planning on retiring a couple of years ago uh, when he worked with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I think in twenty seventeen. I think it was or twenty eighteen, and uh, like the match went, the match went fairly badly because Taker was in a fairly bad shape at that point. His hip and his, you know, he was really banged up and kind of had left himself kind of get a bit out of shape and things. And, you know, the match didn't go the way he wanted. So he kind of, like, he got the, the hip surgically replaced and, you know, he really got himself into amazing shape to come back to kind of redeem himself. And uh, the next year, the WrestleMania match with Cena then, he, he got barely any time. Like, he prepared great for it, but they got only a couple of minutes and it ended up being a squash match. And then he started having more matches, you know, trying to end things on the right note and something would just always happen. So, like, it was like this four-year process of him trying to come to terms with retiring. And they chronicle it all in the docuseries. It's freaking amazing, man. You'd love it. I strongly re recommend... Uh, uh, watching that now, it's really good and really revealing. Like he goes really in depth into into his personal thoughts on on everything. Like you know, more so than he ever has before. Like so, I really recommend watching that. That's excellent. I'm fascinated with the Undertaker. I mean, he made his debut while I was there. Um, I followed the very yeah, beginning. I'm a, yeah, I'm quite jealous of that fact. <laughs> For his first real televised match um, at the Survivor Series, too, it was um, yeah. And I saw it from concept, you know, to this explosion. It was uh, the, you know, he's, if I had to say my favorite wrestler, okay, um, he's definitely, he's definitely one of them. 
um, superstar yeah. Billy Graham going back to the old days, but um, Jesse Ventura too, because he kind of like emulated superstar Billy Graham. He was a good persona. Um, mm. But the undertaker. Yeah. He, I was there from the beginning. It's like a, you know, special place in my heart. Um, yeah. He's my, my number one as well. Like he was my number one from day one. Like, so yeah, yeah. He's the greatest uh, in, in my eyes anyway. <laughs> um, you know, I guess to, to wrap it up, um, it was, it was an amazing experience working there. Um, it was, everybody was very cool. I, I never really had anything negative there. You know, whatever happened, steroid skin, it, it, it was, you know, it is what it is. I, it was, it was all great. I had such a blast. Um, if I had a chance to do it to this day, keep it as a career, it would have been great. But, um, yeah, HR department was pretty much building a holding cell for me at the end there. So I, I don't think I could have continued there. Um, I would have got, I would have gotten, well, I would just would have, but it was, it was a blast. Um, um, and, and you know what? We, us group, a group of us that work together, we still get together on occasion. We're still friends and everything. Um, and, and we, we all had a, a positive experiences working there. Um, in fact, we're overdue for a get together. Um, but you know, if I had to say, tell everybody today, watch the dark side of the ring. Um, really good. Get a different perspective on, on the whole thing. Get a real behind the scenes. Um, the movie, the wrestler. Okay. That was really well done. Um, mm -hmm. that's the reason that I became an actor. Yeah. No kidding. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because like, like I was telling you before, um, that was kind of. It kind of mirrored, in, in, in a roundabout way, it kind of mirrored what I kind of went through because, like, I wanted to become a wrestler so bad and, you know, I physically couldn't do it. And it was just all I knew, you know what I mean? Wrestling was just all I did. It's still pretty much all I know. First, uh, uh, so when I saw that, when I saw that film, it just blew me away, like, you know, and it kind of clicked in my head then, like, oh, okay, maybe, like, I can do that. Like, I mean... You know, I'm not dealing with the physicality. You're still telling a story. You're still eliciting emotion. You're still performing, but you know, without the physicality. So that's yeah, that's what got the wheel spinning in my head. Like Mickey Rourke's performance in that is just—it's criminal that he did not get the Oscar for it that year. Criminal. Yeah, that's in that's on one of my regular rotating movies that I watch too. Uh, that's it's it's like comfort food. That movie it was it was just so well done. Um, and, and also the Iron Sheiks movie that's out too. And I, I, I know you haven't seen it yet. You need to see that movie. Oh I God. might actually throw that on tonight now, now that you've reminded me of it. I'd say I might throw that on tonight. Yeah, that was really eye-opening too. And, uh, you know, it, and I got to say, you know, su support your your wrestling, your local wrestling events. Your, your wrestlers, um, based on the movie The Wrestler, um, these guys were, were once at the top of their game. They were working arenas. They were big superstars making all kinds of money. And, you know, not everyone's good with their money. These guys are struggling. A lot of these guys are struggling to this day just to, to keep a roof over their head and support your, your, your local indie shows, things like that. Your meet and greets, um, buy their merch, their autographs, say hi, tell them you appreciate them. Uh, for what they've done, it means a lot to them. You know, it means everything. Yeah. 
these guys were heroes growing up and it, it seems like they feel like they're abandoned. They really do. No, no, you get to your events, support them. They'll really, truly appreciate it. 100% I echo uh, all those sentiments and like, you know, a lot of them are doing virtual signings uh, as well and everything now. So like support them uh, every, every, uh, every way you can. And uh, just before, uh, just before I let you go, I had a little uh, quick fire round of uh, questions. Uh, we'll uh, real quick, some, uh, some favorites uh, type things um, just before we go. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, sorry. Sorry. I, if, if, that's great, and if I don't know the answer, I'll make something up really good. Don't worry. <laughs> all good, my man. All good. All right, we'll start off with a uh, favorite movie. Ooh, favorite movie. Um, I probably have two of them, but uh, Over the Edge, nineteen seventy nine, Matt Dillon's first appearance. Oh wow! Kurt Cobain's favorite movie too. Oh really? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, favorite TV series. Ooh. TV series Battlestar Galactica 1978. Oh wow, that's a throwback. Yeah, it was uh, my favorite. I mean, that's the only that's one that I remember that I would stay up religiously to watch or make sure I watched it. It was devoted to that show, definitely. Didn't even have to uh, think about it. Favorite band. Favorite band, Iron Maiden. Good choice. Good choice. Um favorite wrestling match that you've watched. You know what? It was I think it was 1979, Bob Backlund versus Stan Hansen. I think it was a cage match too. It just went back and forth and back and forth. My dad watched it with me. My dad wasn't even into wrestling, but for some reason, even my dad was cheering at the end. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. My dad was very quiet. He was in World War II, and my, I'm like, wow, dad thinks this is cool. That was probably it. A uh, favorite uh, favorite wrestling match or moment even that you've seen in person? In person, that would be Tony Atlas, uh, Killer Khan, did a pressing him over his head, New Haven Coliseum, because it was such a spectacle. Wow. Mm. Actually, seeing as you were mentioning the, the signings and that type of thing, he does a lot of artwork. He's an amazing artist, uh, Tony yeah. Atlas. I'm yes. pretty sure he he has done a, uh, a sketch of that, you know, that he sells and you know he, he signs it. I actually have, I have a few of I have a few of his uh, sketches around here somewhere. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he has that one of him press slamming Killer Khan. So that's that's worth uh, worth looking up. But, yeah. Um, Favorite, if I know this is a tough one, like you know, uh, narrowing it down, but uh, to close, favorite uh, memory from your time working with WWF? Hmm. Wow. Whoa, that's a good one. Okay. Um, you know what? When, when I was um, probably when. They wanted me on staff, and I accepted the offer and everything. It uh, made me legit. I mean, that was that was very cool. Yeah, things sort of changed there. Um, yeah, to be part of the game. Yeah, getting I mean, that were, WWF stamp. Right, right. It was right because I got business cards too. I mean, how cool is that? You know, you're walking around. Hey, guy in the street corner. I work for the WWF. You know, whatever. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was very cool. Oh, that's awesome. Like one of my dreams is to get that WWE media pass. So um, 
I I I I can relate to the to the feeling like this. Uh, yeah, man, well, God, it's it's uh, sorry. No, I was gonna say if you need a media pass, I am a graphic designer. I could probably make you a phony one if you need one. But, right. <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, God, it's been absolutely awesome having you on. Uh, the, the the stories have, have been awesome. It's been exactly um, uh, what 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 I uh, expected it would be, man. It's been really quality stuff. Like I've really really enjoyed it. I don't think I've laughed as much in the, in an interview. Like so, that's really good, man. I, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and, and, and jarring those synapses in my mind. And it, when you had Tom on the other day, I'm like, I want a piece of that. I want to be on that show because I got stories too. And it was so much fun to see him too. That's why I contacted you. Well, you know, I was fishing out there on YouTube. Hey, I was working for them to come on. I wanted to be in your show. And I, and I love the, <laughs> the way you work the room. You do everything. You smile a lot. You're, you're a good host, man. And, and anything I can do to help. And I hope people like this too. No, <laughs> I I definitely think they will. And th thanks so much uh, as well. Like you know, for the feedback it means a lot, man. And uh, yeah, so uh, God, man, it's it's just been really good. And yeah, th thanks for for reaching out. This has been awesome, man. Anytime, brother. All right, take care, man. You too. Thank you for tuning into Pro Wrestling Defined on YouTube. Please like the video if you enjoyed it, and subscribe to the YouTube channel to keep up with all future content. And please follow Pro Wrestling Defined on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook.